My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning, I'm going to reread uh, the portion that we heard from the book of James, chapter 4. I'm going to include a couple of extra verses here. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So 250 years ago, a farming community met together not too far from here, and they started a church that could serve them and their families. And now, in 2021, that church started so long ago, before there was even a United States of America. I think we were still with the, the Federate, Confederation of something or other. My history is terrible. Sorry. This is a theology brain, not an American history brain. But this church started so long ago, still not only exists, but grew, and now stands as a testimony to the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to transform people from sinners into saints, to bring them from death to new life. And we continue in their mission because their divine commission is also our divine commission as well, to make disciples of all, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, as our Lord Jesus himself instructed. And I pray that our commitment to that mission remains as strong in us as it did our forebears in the faith. And if it doesn't, then what's the point of all this? The church does not exist as a social group. It is, we exist to proclaim the saving gospel of Jesus Christ in all of its power and life-giving beauty, to receive his word, to feed from him and find life, and then to take that life and share it with those around us. And brothers and sisters, a lot of ink gets spilled and a lot of conversations get had about what should the church be? What should the church do? And the point of the church, right, as the body of Christ, because remember, we're not the church individually by ourselves. We are the church as we come together, united in worship of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we unite to hear his gospel preached and receive the sacraments, we are his church. And then we go forth in service and in, and, and in love. And if new life in Jesus Christ, the reception of that new life, and then our own experience of it, and then taking that out into the world, if that's not at the forefront of who we are as a church, if that's not at the forefront of everything we do, every activity that we do, every act of service that we do, any mission that we decide to be a part of, if that's not part of that, then 
we don't, then we might as well just become a Shriners Club. I, I would say the Masons, but they're kind of a cult, so let's just stick with the Shriners. I mean, that's kind of true, so I'm sorry. If somebody out there is a Mason, I apologize, but right, repent and believe the, the, the gospel. No man can serve two masters. Um, but the, uh, that's who we are. And if that's not who we are, then that's who we should be. And sometimes the road to becoming that, it, it can be difficult and it can be, it can be hard. And I believe that as we continue to be faithful to that mission and to our Lord Jesus Christ, that even though there are things around us that might make us fearful of the future, we can be sure that God will be with us and care for us. And, I, and sometimes, brothers and sisters, we, we get very much caught up in what we don't have. We get caught up in how the way things used to be. And sometimes we get so caught up in the way things used to be, and I think this, is, this was the first sermon I ever preached here almost five years ago now. When we get so caught up in the way things used to be that we miss the signs of God's presence and the signs of life that we already have right now that are meant to help us identify them and then use those as tools and stones that we can build, that can build on top of them. And I'll give you one silly example. It's not a silly example. It's a great example of how I believe how we have been remained faithful to the gospel, how God has continued to remain faithful for us. Well, the first one is we still exist after 250 years. That's a big one, right? But when we started the bell tower, the, the fund, and Jeanette put together the fundraisers and started... And we started working hard and we got hit by COVID and that kind of put a stop to it. And then we've had, we've had various needs throughout all of this. Signs of life for me look like this. The other day, and I, I shared this with consistory and, and, and they know and, and the elders and stuff, but I wanted to share it with all of you and those of you who are watching. There's a, a gentleman who will remain anonymous, but he, he drove by the church and, and he and I have spoken on and off for years now just he came into the church one day and we just started talking doesn't believe in jesus not really a christian but he drove by the church the other day and he saw the bell tower with the scaffolding up and he wrote a check and he wrote a little note inside saying i was driving by and i saw that you had a lightning strike on top of what you're already doing god obviously wants you to get this fixed so here's a check and he gave us a check for five thousand dollars right? Things like that, to me, are signs that God is still at work, that God is still moving, and God is still providing for us. And so it's up to us to chase that and to follow that wherever it leads. And I say that not to brag about anything, but to encourage you that even though we can't see that far ahead, we can look behind and see what has been done and how we've been provided for and trust that we'll get to where we need to be in the future. And we can trust that the work begun here so long ago can and will endure beyond us. And we can trust that as St. Paul wrote, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it into completion at the day of Jesus Christ. 
Now, to tie that in from the reading that we heard from the epistle of St. James this morning. So we all know that relationships in the church are never, ever bad. Never. No one's ever got angry at anybody in the church. No one's ever had anything nasty said to them at church. All of our relationships in the church have been peachy keen, rainbows and sparkle ponies. They've been great all the time. Ray, I know no one's ever said a negative word to you. Joanne, I know no one's ever said a negative word to you. Shelly and Jeanette and everybody sitting here, I'm sure no one has fought with any of you about anything to do with the church at all in all of our history. I wish that were true. But when we look in the scriptures, we see that that's true for everyone, for every church. Right? St. Paul goes into a place and he spends like two years with the church in Corinth and then he leaves. And then after he leaves, Apollos comes in. And then after Apollos leaves, St. Peter comes in and then he leaves. And then after St. Peter leaves, they're like, okay, we're doing okay for a while. And then everything goes to hell in a handbasket. And Paul's like, I was just there with you guys. And Peter was there and Apollos was there. And already we're having to deal with these, these problems, right? Conflicts. Personality clashes. These are things that happen in the church, right? He even says, some of you say, I am of Paul. Some of you say, I am of Peter. Some of you say, I am of Apollos. And some of you even say, well, I follow Jesus, so I don't have to follow any of Jesus' messengers. That's never happened here, though. Thank God. And when we read the epistles, we have to keep in mind that most, but not all, but most, right? They're written to whole groups of people, not to just a single individual, especially this epistle uh, from St. James. And there's been some quarreling among themselves in the community. And I think it would help us to think back on the time that the disciples were quarreling among themselves, as, as Barry just read, as who would be the greatest. And Jesus tells them the way to greatness is by humbling oneself for the sake of the other. And this is why James gets right to the heart of the matter. And he lays out for them and for us what the underlying problems are and what the solutions are. Okay? The first problem, as he says, is that passions are at war within them. Their passions are at war within them. So our passions are the parts of us that are still disordered. So we believe, as, as, as Christians, right, and a lot of this rests on the theology of St. Paul and St. Augustine had especially good insight into this, that we, are all, we all have desire for something good, that we, but we've all been corrupted by sin. And so what that does is it disorders us, and it takes away from the, the we should all be desiring God and moving towards God, but sin twists that, and we decide to serve ourselves, the things that we think will make us happy that ultimately don't. And this is true as individuals, but this is also true as groups of people as well. And then he says, you cannot obtain what you desire, so you murder. Now, I don't think, I don't think that in the, the church that St. James is writing to, that they're actually physically murdering each other over, over things that they're fighting about, right? That would be a super big problem. We have to remember that earlier in the epistle, he talked about the tongue. He talked about blessing God and killing your brother with what you say. And he talks about the power of the tongue to steer ships, to turn the entire body. And he says that the tongue is basically like it's on fire. 
I don't know, I'm exaggerating a little bit now. It's like, it, it's like got kerosene on it. It's lit on fire, and then it's thrown to a vat of acid, and, and you pour some uh, motor oil on top to make a giant blaze, right? That's, that's basically the tongue. You can bless God, and then you can turn around and curse your brother and sister in Christ, right? So they're not getting what they want as individuals and as a group. And so what they do is, is they use their tongue to kill verbally their brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe even leadership of their church, maybe their deacons, maybe whatever. Then he says, you covet and cannot obtain, right? So this disorder that's at work in them individually, right? Because that's what Christ is, is healing and unraveling in us through our being justified by faith, right? They covet something. They see it and they want it individually and as a group, and they can't have it, and they can't have it. So this leads to fighting. This leads to quarreling. I didn't get my way about this, so I'm going to be really angry. And please understand when I'm... (laughs) Please, you watching and you sitting here, I'm not speaking about any one of you individually, okay? I'm speaking in broad general terms. Because these sorts of patterns of behavior, they're dealt with in Scripture. So if they're dealt with in Scripture, that means it's going to play itself out too in all human relationships in the church. And we think that the problems that we have as individuals and as churches, we think they're limited to just our own place and our own time and our own context. That's not true. These are, prob- these are cyclical and they come up time and time again. So please, I'm not speaking about any of you here and you shouldn't have anybody specifically in mind. Okay, and all God's people said, okay, I want to make that very clear because I don't want to get any emails later about why were you preaching that nonsense at me? I know it was about me. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about you. And I'll say I want to deinstall you now because you were talking bad about me. No, it's not about you. It's about us. That's the whole point of this sermon. The fourth problem is they don't have what they want. And then James says you don't have what you want because you don't ask. You don't ask. And then he says, but even when you do ask, you don't get it. And you don't get it because if you were to have that prayer answered, it wouldn't do you any good because it's only going to go to satisfy your own disordered desires and lusts. I don't remember who did it. Maybe one of you might know. There's a, a, a country singer. He did a song called Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. You ever heard that song? Who? Who? I couldn't hear you because there's a motorcycle driving by, but it's okay. Garth Brooks. Yeah, Garth Brooks. Thank God for unanswered prayers. I don't remember the lyrics of the song. But right, how many of you have ever prayed prayers and asked God to give you something? Show of hands. Okay. How many of you have had that not given to you that you asked for? Now, if God had done that for you, would you be better off now or not so much? A lot of times the things that we ask God for, please give me this, God. If God were to give it to us, that would destroy us. And God knows that's going to destroy us. So that's why God doesn't give that to us, because he knows that if he were to give that to us, it would start to lead us down a path that's pretty dark. That might lead to our own destruction because sometimes, and we're not even aware of this, the things that we ask for, the things that we ask God to give us and to do for us individually and then also together as a church, right? If God were to grant that for us, 
it could lead to our death and destruction. And that's a hard one for us because we don't like to be told the word no. I don't like to be told no, especially when it's my kids. Last night, I know my son had to go to the bathroom. And I said, Isaac, go to the bathroom before bedtime. And he went, no, and he ran away. (laughs) And I'm like, if you don't, you'll go to the bathroom in your pants. No. So I picked him up. I brought him to the bathroom. And guess what he did? He went to the bathroom because he had to go. No, I don't like to be told no. He doesn't like to be told no. When he asks for his iPad and I say no, sometimes he doesn't react properly. And I'm like, you've already played with it today. We're all done for today. No, we don't like that. But if I were to give him, or if his mom were to give him his iPad all day, he'd be a vegetable. He wouldn't play. He wouldn't run around. He would just be hypnotized by this screen. And so we know as parents, if I were to give you what you're asking for, it's not going to turn out good for you. And we think of God as Father, right? And that's an analogy, right? But parents know what's best for their kids, generally speaking. And so sometimes God tells us no as individuals and as churches, things we corporately ask for. God sometimes says no. And that no could be because if you were to grant it, it would lead us to a place that we're not ready for. That we're not ready for. Or if you were to grant it, it would fill us with pride. That's not a good thing. We don't want that. Then he says, well, okay. We'll just leave it there. So the problem is, is they have forgotten to live like Christians. They've forgotten to live like Christians. So the solution to this is to learn to submit to God. And we learn to do that here in the church. And it's interesting, I remember hearing this verse, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How many of you heard that in Sunday school when you were a kid? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I did. I'm sure you did too. It's been a long time for some of you. It's okay. (laughs) That was a joke. I meant Sunday school as a little kid, not Sunday school as an adult, okay? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He's talking to them as a group. As all of you come together, submit to God, resist the devices and the lures of the devil, and the devil will do what? He will flee from you. He will flee. Submit to God. God told us no, told you no. I don't know what's, un- I don't know what's going on, but I trust, Lord, that you know what you're doing. And so I submit to your greater plan and I submit to your greater purpose. Even if I don't know where that's leading me or leading us. Then he says, draw near. We need to draw near to God. And it says, he will draw near to you. Now this is, and where, brothers and sisters, do we draw near to God? We draw near to God here. We draw near to God here. 
We also draw near to God in our private devotions. We need our private devotions, right? We need that time every single day where we pray, where we read scripture, where we bring our requests to God. We need that. We need that formation at home. And if you don't have that, this is not a judgment. It's difficult, and sometimes it can be hard. And if you need help with that, let me know, and I can give you some resources to help shape that for you. Because sometimes we just need that structure, right? And that's a place where we can encounter God. We can also draw near to God through the things that God has made. We're sitting outside in this beautiful, in this beautiful grassy area for the people who, are, who will listen to this on audio. Um, we have these beautiful trees. We're in the shade. We have this huge field over there. I mean, it's beautiful out today. The weather's great. My prayers were effective, right? So, yeah, <laughs> right, so our, our, our barbecue this morning will, but I'm not going to take the credit because I'm sure all of you are praying for good weather too, right? And it's beautiful to be outdoors. It's beautiful to go hiking. I haven't done this in a while, but my wife and I used to love to go hiking all the time. And we'd go to... Um, Ah, the falls. You got to go past Jim Thorpe, I think, to get there. But um, Glen and Oco, we used to love to hike that and go all the way up to the top to the waterfall there. And there's different places that we would like to go. And it is beautiful. And you know what? You can see something of God and have some experience of God there in nature. And you can have some experience of God eating a really good bowl of pho. And you can have an experience of God sitting around with your friends, talking and laughing and having a really good time. But the way that we draw near to God primarily, the way we draw near to God first is through the means he has ordained for us. And that is through worship. And that happens here. I'm going to sound like a broken record, and that's fine. St. Paul says, for me to tell you the same things is helpful for you. And it's helpful for me, too. So when I go like this, I've got you know, three fingers pointing back at me, so it's triply true for me. Right? The way we draw near to God is through the way he has told us, and that is through gathering together to worship the risen Christ, to hear the scriptures read, and then to hear the scriptures preached, to hear Jesus be exalted above everything, to hear of his life-giving, life-saving passion, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension, and how that justifies us, how that brings us peace with God, and then how that peace with God then works itself out. We have peace with one another, which helps us then to resist the devil, which helps us to submit to God, which helps us to ask God for things that aren't going to destroy us, to ask God for the things that we need to then which he will say yes, right? And we, that's, and we go to church to worship, to hear the scriptures read and proclaimed, and Jesus Christ magnified above everything else, right? And we also come to church to eat at his table, to eat of his flesh and to drink of his blood, because if we don't, we do not have life in us. And those are the primary ways God has said he will be with us and among us. The preaching of the word and receiving the sacraments. That is how we draw near to God primarily. Those other ways are good and helpful, and they are gifts. They are such good gifts of God's grace 
to, to celebrate with a group of people something amazing that's happened, right? To experience a sunset. I was in, in, in Stellenbosch, South Africa. My parents flew me over after I graduated seminary. It was a beautiful present. And we were driving through the mountains in the wine country. And I saw this, you could see, like, here's the mountains, and then nestled below in the mountains. And my brother-in-law is watching this and listening to us. He's probably jumping up and shouting amen, because he used to live in that area, right? And so I saw this gorgeous view, and I said, Mark, stop. So he stopped. And then my, my, my brother-in-law, Mark, and my sister, Linda, we got, and my parents were there too. We all got out of the car, and I just did this. And I sat down, and I looked at this valley and the mountains and, and the little towns and the villages and the fields all just down there. And it was, one, it was the most beautiful natural sight I've ever seen. And that is a good gift of God. Such a good gift of God. But that doesn't take the place of me standing here and speaking to you and not just speaking to you, but speaking to me too, right? Because remember, anybody who ever preaches anything to you, whoever stands in this pulpit, they're preaching to themselves too. It's not just for you. I'm part of you. The only difference between us is that you've asked me to shepherd you, right? That's the only difference between us, is that I'm sitting here saying that, and not sitting there listening, but it's just as much for me as it is for you. And so even though that moment of beauty was, was a beautiful gift of God, it does not take the place of me standing here and saying, this is my body given for you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you. Eat this and drink this in remembrance of me where we are called to eat and drink and feast by faith. And in doing so, our sins are forgiven and we receive the life of Christ. And then he says, and this will be the end. I intended to preach shorter today, but I don't know. I'm not looking at the time. Sorry, it's just, uh, I apologize. Um, <laughs> He then says to cleanse yourself, right? As we draw near to God, we are cleansed from our sins, right? Our sins are forgiven, but then we are also responsible as individuals and together to cleanse ourselves, right? To start to change who we are, to change how we act, to change the things about us that God is asking us to lay at the foot of the cross in service to him and in service to one another. And that's a hard one. Well, they're all hard, but that's especially hard because we don't want to give things up because we don't believe, ultimately, I think, that God knows better than we do the things that we need to give up and to lay aside, even if that might mean enduring some pain. Trusting. And at the day of the Lord, as James says, he said at the day of the Lord, when that happens, all will be made right. And so, brothers and sisters, let us together continue that pattern laid out for us 250 years ago by our forefathers and mothers in the faith. Let us take that. Let us continue to run with that.
and watch what God will do in you individually and then what God will do in us and through us as his church. And so to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be all glory together with his Father who is from everlasting and is all holy good and life-creating spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have a few minutes, I'd ask you to go to gofundme.com slash Zion's Stone Church Repair Fund. We have some significant repair work that we need to do on our bell tower, as well as some repair work due to a recent lightning strike. Anything you'd be able to help us out with, we would greatly appreciate it. If you'd like to get a hold of me or you have any questions about what you've heard, feel free to reach out at our Facebook page, Zion's Stone UCC, or you can check us out on our website, zionstoneucc.com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.